we're starting a new series on Wednesday night called, uh, called uh, Hearing God in the Storm. Hearing God in the Storm. You know, throughout our history, throughout our history, there have been a number of storms that have just made a significant impact. You look at uh, some of the greatest storms in history, Galveston in the 1900s, of course, recently Katrina, Hurricane Andrew in 92, Hurricane Ike, Harvey, just to name a few. And each one of these storms all had one thing in common. They were, they were left devastation. And it was through these storms that people were needing to reach out and call for help. They were needing help. They were, they were yelling an SOS for someone to come and help them in their point of need. And tonight, I'm going to be talking about a storm, but not a storm that is caused by wind or by a hurricane or by the rain. But I'm going to be talking about a storm of life. Storm of life. Now, Job was a man who faced a very, very serious storm in his life. A very, very serious storm in his life. And again, not a storm that was caused by the elements, but a storm of life struggles. How many understand that no, God never promised that this life is going to be easy? How many know what I'm talking about? Yep. Self, same here. I'm right there with you. But he did promise that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And that's a promise that we have to hold on to. And that was something that Job had to go through. Job was about to go into a serious, serious storm. And here's the thing. Here's the, the basic thing. When you begin to read the first few verses of Job, you be, quickly begin to understand that Job becomes basically a test case. He really does. Because Job knew that he was a good man. Even God knew that he was a good man. Even as you read in the first chapter, there is a conversation between God and Satan. And even Satan himself knew that Job was a good man. Even the neighbors around Job knew that he was a good man. And even nowadays, as we read, we can clearly see that the Bible says that he was a righteous man. Yet he was about to go into a very, very serious, serious storm of life. Even though, even though he was good, every, even though he was well-respected, even though all of these things, he was about to encounter a huge, huge test. Now, those of you that wrote, read through the book of Job, you know this story. He passes that test, and today is one of our heroes of our faith. But it was something that he had to go through. And just as God eventually silenced the storm within Job, just as he silenced the storm within Job, he can silence the storms that you and I face in our life today. Now, to fully understand this, let me just give you very, very quickly. We're in chapter 38, but a lot has happened up to this point. So, for those of you that have taken my class, this is the observation step where we go then and there so that we can understand what the Bible is trying to tell us here today. But to understand chapter 38 and where my text is that I'm going to read in just a moment, you have to really understand the complete story. So let me allow me just to give it very quickly. In chapter 1, there's a conversation between God and Satan. And Satan basically says, Lord, I know that Job loves you. But if you'll, if you'll release protection from him, I will, I will guarantee you that Job will fail you and he'll curse you. And so they have a couple of conversations and, and God knows Job's heart and says, you know what? I know Job's heart. You will not be able to win him over. He will not crumble. And then right after chapter 1, Job begins to go some serious tests. All 10 of his kids were killed. His livestock and his possessions were destroyed. His his wife disowned him. His friends were, called, were, were upset at him. I mean, just his whole life crumbled. And between chapters 1 and 37, there's conversations that happen. In fact, there's a bunch of speeches. His friends come on the scene, 
and they're trying to help him, and then they're trying to, they're, they're, they're upset at him, and then he responds, he's upset, and he's trying to understand why all this is happening. And then his friends show up again, and they begin to speak and speak and speak, and they're, they're, they're complaining about, everyone's complaining about God, or God, why did this happen? How could you let this happen? And all these complaints continue, continue to happen. And all throughout this whole time, God has been silent. From chapter 1, there's a conversation where, where God just is, is completely convinced that there's no way that Job will ever turn on me. And then all the tests happen. His friends come on the scene. They begin to tell him. He begins to complain. And God has remained completely silent. But we're going to find here in chapter 38 that God is going to speak out of the storm. So here's my text uh, in chapter 38, starting with verse 1 through 7. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm, he said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Now, let me pause here for a second. Do you hear a tone here? All right. Do you think God is just being very passive in this moment? No. What did he tell him? He tells him, Brace yourself like a man. Because understand, what did I just say? For the last 37 chapters, there's been complaining and complaining. And his, his three friends are trying to tell him what to do. And God has been silent. And God's about to bring on, come on the scene. And in, in history, this is the first recorded history that we have a drop the mic moment. God's going to come up on the scene and he finally says, okay. You know when your mom and dad ever got to that point where you pushed them and you pushed them and you pushed them? And they finally said, enough is enough. This is where God was. He was like, all right, all right, I've got the mic now. That's basically what God was saying, all right? You, be, you guys have been talking, 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 talking. Now you're going to hear from me. And that's exactly what we're reading here. So let me read on. He says, brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off this, its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched out the measuring line across it? On what, on, on what were its footings set? And who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. And you continue to read on and God continues to ask these questions in these questions. And basically putting all of these conversations that have happened in the, in the last few chapters to rest. Because God, how many know that God's always going to have the last word? His word is always going to, he is going to always have the last word. And in this speech that we find where God finally shows up on the scene and he begins to speak, he shows that really no one can understand God's ways. Even though Job, as you read in the chapters before, was really trying to make sense of it all. His friends were trying to make sense of it, sense of it all. And Job, he was trying to explain, listen, God was explaining that, that I'm God and you are man. And you're never going to necessarily fully understand the way I work. And that's what he's explaining. And if we're honest tonight, how many know that's hard sometimes? How many, of, how many know that that's, that can be very dip, difficult? How many of us have ever asked this question? Why does, why does bad stuff happen to good people? Have you ever asked that question? I know I have. Maybe you've asked that of yourself. You know, when it rains, it pours, right? We've all been there. But Romans 8.28 says this, All things work together for the good of those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. 
Yet how many feel that that's really hard to read when you're going through a storm? Amen? It's, be, it's all right to be honest in the church. I'm raising my hand because I know. That's hard to read. You know, when we look in the, in the Old Testament, and we're going to come back to Job, but, the, but I want you to see that you're in good company. If you're going through a storm tonight, you're in good company because you look throughout the entire Bible and time and time again, we see some heroes of the faith that really went through some pretty big storms. And in fact, in the story of Joseph, Joseph's brothers in Genesis betray him and sell their youngest brother into slavery. And later on, decades later, he tells them, Joseph says, as for you, you planned evil against me, but God planned it for good in order to do this, to keep many people alive as it is today. You see, with Joseph, God does so much more than just make good of a bad situation. God brings purpose through his bad situation. God brings him to a purpose. In fact, Ephesians 1.11 says this, that he makes everything work out according to his plan. And sometimes we got to hold on to that. Because when we're in the middle of the storm, when the waves are rocking and the wind is howling, and we're in the middle of, of just life, in the storms of life, there's moments where we're not going to feel like God is there, but that's when our faith has to step in. That's why we have faith. We have to trust that God is there. And Ephesians 1.11 says that he makes everything work according to his plans. Five chapters before declaring, Joseph declaring that God planned it for good, Joseph said to his brothers, you yourselves did not send me here, but God put me here as father to Pharaoh and master of all his household and ruler over all of the land of Egypt. You see, Joseph began to understand something. Joseph began to, even though it was not easy, even though he was going through a tough time in his life, Joseph began to understand that God had a purpose for everything that he was going through. Even though his brother successfully um, executed a very evil plan, can I tell you, God successfully brought about, about good from that evil plan. God brought about good from that evil. He turned it all the way around. In God's sovereignty, he was able to work out the evil that Joseph's brothers committed and turn it around for God's good purposes. And in your life today, whether you're going through a storm, storm tonight or you know you've gone through one in the past, can I tell you as a testimony, I can speak for myself that I have seen God turn things around for his good and for his purpose. Did I understand it while I was going through the storm? Absolutely not. Did I make all the right, have the right attitude when I was going through the storms? If I told you yes, I'd be lying and you'd see lightly and just strike me down right now. I wish I could say I went through, I've gone through every storm perfect, but I have not. But I have discovered when I've held on to his word, when I've held on to his promises, when I've held them close to my heart, he helps me to come through the storm and I will begin to experience God's good purpose. I found this, um, this quote by a, by a person by the name of Joni Eckerson, which says, God permits what he hates to achieve what he loves. God permits what he hates to achieve what he lo loves. And I began to think about that because that quote really made me think a lot. But think about this with me. Think about the cross. I want you to think about the cross, the gospel, the story of what our, our, Christ, what our Christ did. You see, when the cross came on the scene, when Calvary needed to come on the scene, it was an answer to all the evil that was in the world. It was an answer to the question, 
that, that, that evil was, was, was all over this world, and, and finally God said, okay, I'm going to answer this once and for all. And God did something so powerful. God did something so powerful that it ripped in half from top to bottom the very fabric of our universe by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. And when he sent, you know, God doesn't, see, God doesn't just emphasize with our suffering. He inserted himself through his son, Jesus Christ. He inserted himself so that he can, so he understood what pain meant. He understood what storms meant. He understood what tough times and stretching moments meant. He inserted himself. And God ordained, uh, ordained and allowed Jesus temporary suffering so that he could prevent our eternal suffering. Even though he had to go to the cross, he did it so that he could prevent our eternal suffering. It is because of what Christ did on Calvary. It's because that he took your sin and because he took my sin to the, to the cross today. I can now experience peace in the midst of a storm. I can now have confidence that my name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. I can have confidence that no matter what I face in my life, no matter how big the storm may be, I know that God is right there by my side. He inserted himself in humanity. He came down. You know, Good Friday isn't called Bad Friday because we see it in retrospect, don't we not? We see it in retrospect because God is always going to say something that is bad and he's going to change it around for his good so that he will receive all the glory. And there's some things that I want to share with you before I leave. Again, I'm going to just, I'm going to move rather quickly tonight. But I want to at least share with you these points that, that again, you'll find in, your, in your, your app that I believe will help you as we begin to wrap up. So if you'll just stick with me for another few minutes and we'll be dismissed. But in Job 38, God finally comes on the scene and he speaks out of the storm. The New Living Translation, instead of storm, uses the word whirlwind, which literally translates to fierce and severe. So we're talking about something pretty major. How many of us have been in a fierce or a severe storm in life? I think we all have. Some of you might, might be even in one today. And here's what I believe we can learn. We can learn about tough storms in life. Job had to get to a certain, certain spot in his life. There had to probably be some type of an inward resolve before God could speak. Because up until this point, remember, God had been silent. Verse 38, he shows up and he finally begins to speak. And I began to wonder, why did it take God so long? Why did it take God so long to begin to bring comfort to Job after all the things that he went through? All 10 of his children were killed. His house was burned down. All his possessions were destroyed. He lost everything, and God remained silent. You know, sometimes I believe that, that he was waiting maybe until Job started to stopped talking. Maybe God was saying, you know, listen, I would speak, but you won't be quiet. So even if I try to speak, you're not going to listen to me. I don't know but I, about you, but I've been there before. I've been there before in my prayer time when I'm complaining to God and I'm just, I'm just letting God have it. I am just telling him, God, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? And he's like, yeah, I made you, so just shut up, you know? <laughs> when we have those complaining sessions with God, we don't hear anything. We have to get to a place where we have an inward resolve and we just let go and let God. 
And you almost see that that happens in Job. In fact, you read in Job 23, verse 10, Job said, God knows the way I take. He tests me, and I shall come out like gold. This is Job speaking. His heart started to change, and that's why I believe God finally, in chapter 38, showed up and began to speak. And here's what I believe we can learn in the midst of a storm. Here's what we can learn. First of all, first of all, in the midst of the storm, we need to be careful who we're listening to in the storm. In the midst of your storms in life, can I, can I encourage you, be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you listen to, especially if they're not a godly person. Now listen, I'm not saying that your close friends that don't go to church can't give you good advice. There's some great people out there, some great friends that I have that, that maybe not, uh, are not a, a Christ followers, so to speak. You know, I'm sure they can give me good advice, and they probably have in my past. But even good advice can take you out of God's will. You want to make sure you're hearing godly advice. Sometimes we, we don't know. We're, we're wanting to hear somebody, and we, don't, and we just go for anything because we feel like God is silent. Can I encourage you? God is never silent when you come to his word. God is never silent when you come to his word. So if you're going through a storm, one thing you can learn, be careful who you listen to, but always go straight to God's word. Begin to build off his promises. Begin to read. Begin to read. Begin to cultivate a thankful heart. You know, the other day, I was having one of those conversations with the Lord in my car on Labor Road. I was praying with my eyes open, okay, I wasn't wasn't driving my eyes closed because I was praying. And I just started getting overwhelmed with just, just stuff, just, just stuff. And I stopped myself, and I began to listen to my, my attitude. And I just stopped myself, and I just began to thank God for so many things. I mean, I just got ridiculous with my list. I said, Lord, thank you that I have shoes to put on today. God, thank you that I have a vehicle and that, that my vehicle has gas. Thank you, dear Lord, that my kids are healthy. Thank you, Lord, that I get to go to a home tonight and rest. Thank you, Lord, that I have a job. Thank you, God, that the person in front of me at HEB only had eight items in front of me, and I was able to get through there quick. I mean, I just began to thank him and thank him and thank him and thank him just to get the negativity out. We need to be careful what we listen to, what negative thoughts we listen to, and always go to God's word. We also need to be careful who we listen to, but also we need to stand on his promises. We need to stand on his promises. And isn't it funny that life has taught us that promises were made to be broken? Yet our Christian faith is built on promises in God's word. And we have to stand on those. But here's what I want you to understand. That God's promises are credible. And also God's promises are grounded in his character. And God's character is good. His character is nothing but love for you and want to give you a hope and give you a future. So God's promises are good, they're credible, and they're grounded in his, in his character. And when you look at the attributes of God, when you look at the love that he has for us, you know that if you will just put your trust in him, He's going to help you every step of the way. Would you stand with me? We're going to get ready to dismiss. Amen. No, you can go ahead and clap if you want to clap. Go ahead.
So God's promises are credible. God's promises are grounded in his character. But we also got to understand that God's promises are, are conditional. God's promises are conditional. We don't need to just be hearers of the word, but what doers? Do what it says. We need to go to the truth of God every single day and find that truth. So what does the Bible say? Because this Bible is going to direct us. The Bible is going to direct us. But what does it say? You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you mad. Sometimes, sometimes it's going to stretch you. It's going to make you mad. But when you align yourself with God's word and when you align yourself with God's promises, when you begin to just align yourself with the character and the attributes of God, no matter what storm you may be facing in life, he's going to be right there by your side. But he's got, he's got some conditions. We've got to stay aligned with his word. We've got, to, we've got to follow his path that he set out. And then I just encourage you, you need to keep your ears open even when you can't trace God. Because I know there's sometimes in storms of life, I'm sure Job had the very same thing. 37 chapters, God says nothing. I don't know about you, but there's been moments where I felt like, God, are you still there? Are my, are my prayers hitting the ceiling and just hitting down, coming right back down? That's when we just stand on his promises. We stand on his word, even if we can't trace him in the situation. God's there. And I stand here, church, as one of your, not just as one of your pastors, but as a, a fellow Christ follower. God is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. Just keep your eyes on him, even in the midst of the storm. Would you bow your heads and we're going to pray to be dismissed. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness, God, and your love. Lord, tonight, we just had a great night celebrating, God, 28 lives that have been changed. And I thank you for those lives that were baptized tonight and the family and friends that were here. And God, I pray, dear Lord, that you would help us to continue to hear you in our storm. God, that we would trust in your, God, in your unfailing love and we would stand on every single promise that you have for us. Lord, as we go our separate ways, we don't want to be dismissed from your presence, but until we see each other again, God, keep your hand on each and every one of us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us. God bless you.